rolling. Fratelloni Hardware and Garden oh, Store. <laughs> no, brings you. Uh, yep. Garage Logic. Pocket. Bring you. No, that's see. You're just getting into this. No, no. It's, you tried. It's, it's a missing. It's a What's missing it? word. It, okay. It's yeah, but it's during. It's like an action ver. It's when you're doing something. Drive truck. Right. Mow lawn. Pound nail. Drink <laughs> with. Yeah, yeah. You Do know. show. Yeah. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings your Garage Logic podcast number. 940. I was at Fratelloni's yesterday. Were you? Mm-hmm. Uh, October 10, 2022. It was 90 degrees in this day in 1928, and I have news for you. I think that's our last 90. No, that's such a sad day. 1928, they had a 90 on October 10. Like, uh, as a, a quick look ahead through my materials, uh, I can't find another 90. Oh. That saddens me. 25 degrees on this day in both 1964 and 1987. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king. Fireworks Commissioner and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Do you mind if I read paper? Nope. GLers, have you joined the Garage Logic Town Council yet? Well, it's kind of neat to tell you the truth. It is. You get a little behind-the-scenes footage before and after the show and during the show. But it doesn't affect the podcast. You don't have nope. to pay to hear the podcast. No, nope. nothing will change about the way that you enjoy the Garage Logic podcast. Nothing, absolutely nothing. So this is extra B as in B, S as in S. For just ten dollars a month or one hundred dollars for the year, you are going to receive access to twenty four seven members only live audio stream full of live recordings of Garage Logic, best of segments and replays. Full show video archive, including before and after the show and in between segments. You're also going to receive a weekly newsletter directly from the mayor, a town council membership card, a town council window cling, a certificate from the mayor, and invites to exclusive members-only events. All you have to do is go to garagelogic.com and sign up today. We got raccoon in shed. (laughs) I love that this is a thing today. I thought... I thought you had that thing sealed up. That's the only reason I'm mentioning this is that raccoons destroyed the shed in the backyard, and there were a number of options. Uh, chief among them, the whole thing probably needed to be torn down, but I got a guy, Dennis, okay. who's really good at everything you can imagine. And he said, we don't need to tear it down. I'll rebuild it. I'll fix it. And had to have a new roof, and he had to take out all the gnawed-on sheetrock and this and that and the other thing. And he did make the thing raccoon-proof, except a raccoon apparently had pried loose one of the uh, vents in the soffit to let in uh, to keep the place aired out. And now there are two babies up in the corner. No. And yesterday, the only reason I know this is the kids wanted to play basketball yesterday, and I said, Willie, go in the shed, see if there's a basketball back there. He comes running back saying, Oh, but there's animals in there. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had to get a good flashlight. How old is Willie? 
15. <laughs> okay. All right. And so I had to get a good flashlight. Oh, yeah. Light. He's the one that went through the window at the cabin. Or you were going to put him well, through I, the I window. I put him through there. Yeah. 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 So, uh, <laughs> okay. So I go out there. I loaded the pellet gun just to take something with me. <laughs> and uh, yeah. went back there. And sure enough, I could see the babies up in the corner. And mom wasn't around. And so I called Dennis. And uh, Dennis will fix shed. He'll have to come over with a mm-hmm. new vent. And <laughs> no, you're doing it wrong. I know I can't do it. <laughs> it it occurs naturally. Uh, but now, what do I do? Do well, I kill the two babies? Can he take it away? <laughs> well, and if so, how do I get them? How do I reach up there without so, wounding myself? The, the, and what the, if mom's behind the curtain and lashes out at me while I try and get the two kittens? The, no, if that's see, what baby raccoons are called, I don't know. Have you actually identified them as raccoons? Yeah, because I can tell by their face. B- raccoons are either born in uh, early April or a second go-around in June, so they wouldn't be little anymore. They'd, they'd be about the size of a, a football at least, yeah. uh, you know, and then a, a full-grown raccoon much bigger. A uh, baby raccoon is referred to as a cub or a kit. Okay, well, there's a couple of cubs up there, and Kenny raises a great point. Uh, I didn't get close enough to really give you an approximate size. Are you sure they're not kitty cats? Oh, you can't uh, kill a kitty cat. Well, would a cat go up there and give birth? Well, God, I know, yes. I know cats love finding secluded places, especially and strays. Up above, we correct? have a stray cat wandering around. I bet Maybe that's, that's the mom. I, I, bet, I bet that's what it is. I got to take another look. But you can't seal the shed off and leave those critters up there. The pregnant... I got to get them out of there. The pregnant kitty cat will go to an elevated space in order to protect the young ones from predators. I bet these are cats. There's a a trap they make called a dogless trap that is basically... It's uh, the shape of a Red Bull and a little bit smaller than a Red Bull. And you What's put a little a Red ba- Bull a can energy of drink. energy drink. Oh. You know, they're skinny cans. Yeah. And the raccoon, having a thumb, will stick its hand down in there to grab the food or the bait and then get trapped. And that way, it only this trap only gets raccoons. It doesn't get dogs or pets or cats, allegedly not cats. Well, I think these but, look, if these are kittens, they're too small to come down off the to, well, then to they've come down to be, ground. Unless. I was under the assumption that all raccoons, they just breed once a year in December, January, and they're always born in April. Well, I'll be damned then. These probably aren't raccoons. Baby raccoons are referred to as kits, and multiple kits are called a litter. Kits are more likely to be born in litters ranging from three to six babies. The problem with this dog-free trap is then you have a live raccoon in a trap, and that would not go well in your house. No. That would that would go over poorly. So you don't want to do that. So you're going to have to call an animal control person. Or just wear thick leather gloves, reach in there, and grab whatever it is. Um, Take them outside. Um, let them fend for themselves. I have let him, a, let them do it. Let them do I it. have a tool um, that you can, it's about three, four, f- four feet long that you can use to grab them. I got um, a grabber. But no, no, this one involves a loop. Oh. And uh, y- yeah. you, you can not only grab them, but uh, send them to heaven all in 
one motion. Yeah. Dang it. Here we thought we beat the raccoon problem. I will for well, a it's small. Not a, it's probably not a raccoon I, I problem. I bet it isn't. For but a small fee, we've seen a big fee, raccoon in the backyard. For a small fee, I can be in your backyard by five o'clock this evening to Let's take go. care of it. Let's go. But it's you know you're going to get charged. Drive truck down. I'll drive truck down. <laughs> I'll bring tool. Bring tool. I pay I'll take gas. Care of it. I pay gas oh. and a fee. And a fee. All right. Well, I'm also going to throw another caveat your way. Mm-hmm. There are people that you know that are close to me that listen to this show every day. Mm-hmm. And if that turns out to be two baby cats, right? I'm going to end up paying for that. Right. I, I'm not uh, intent on uh, uh, killing them. Uh, no, but uh, the but, guy, the guy you're about to hire, Mr. Rural, might. <laughs> Well, well, I'll keep you well, updated. I'm going to pursue what, this. What do you think is going to happen to them? You think they're going to be nursed to health and <laughs> raised and take out an ad on Craigslist for free? I'd rather have them uh, taken naturally by a coyote as, as than, Royce, than me uh, smashing them. Yeah. As Royce says, uh, I can get you a dead cat. Not a problem. I'll get you a cat by 3 o'clock. Hey, I'll get you a cat. Uh, where was I? Don't know. Uh, I don't think we brought up anything. That, oh, that, that's all gonna, we've. T- we've got a dilemma. The uh, Star Tribune was bent on uh, giving us a series about rain and suggesting that there's far too much of it. Uh, but their their timing is is off. <laughs> Minnehaha Creek is bone dry. Minnehaha Falls is not running. Uh, the metro area of the Twin Cities is in a significant drought, and they that hasn't stopped them. They just keep riding Plow. on the front plowing ahead. About we're we're we just don't know how to handle all the water, and we have erosion, <laughs> and the riverbanks are crumbling, and it's all because of climate change, of course. And uh, it's not. Uh, we have had dry weather before, and we will again. And one of these days, you'll get a long soaking rain, and. Nature will move on. I wonder is, how these young kids fell for all this. Seriously. These young kids that, are, that uh, go into the newspapering business or the television news business or what have you. What, I know it's the failed academy, but you'd think there'd be somebody that would say, wait a minute. This, isn't, this, just, this doesn't make sense. Well, the, the, the warming, the, it, it's... It's taught as fact now. It's yeah. not even questioned. That's You're the right. problems. It, that's the failed academy. Oh. They buy it wholeheartedly. Well, we're learning now that uh, we're, we're losing historic trees. Right. Due to climate change. Right. Never mind that they're 400 years old. Right. We, uh, this is from uh, the local Channel 4, the first tree toppled in August. No. Shortly <laughs> after. Another one was gone. On Sunday, a third was slated to be scrapped. Oh, no. Scrapped. You don't scrap a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Professor Lee Fralick has an unfortunate hypothesis. They're dying all over the city, Fralick said. A really old tree can't make those shifts, the whiplash between wet and dry. Freilich serves as the president for a local neighborhood organization. 
And he also is considered one of the top 1% of scientists in the world. Really? <laughs> Currently, he serves as the director of forest ecology at the U of M. So when trees started dying in Loring Park, he raced to the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing the Ghostbusters ambulance. <laughs> Those are my words. The real words were, he started looking closely for a reason why. Maybe it's because trees go through a life cycle, then they die, and they fall down. And he should know that, given what well, he's he does. He's top one percent. Yeah, he's a one percenter. We start. We're starting to see impacts from climate change on trees. He said. Hold on, I got you, bro. I got you right here. Uh, we don't know that. The first tree to die was a bur oak that Freilich estimated to be around three hundred years old. Well. How long was it supposed to last? Is it the same? Is it akin to when someone died of natural causes? Well, yeah, they were 104. Kenny, my printer uh, shut me off. You might want to look up this story on Channel 4's website. Oh, I've got the Star Tribune version. Well, same difference. People think that something this permanent will always be there, he said. No, kids, uh, when a tree gets to be 300 years old, even this, even this scientist who's in the top 1% admitted that old trees often die. Yeah. Freilich says this one wasn't at the end of its life. Well, I, could you please, uh, Chris, look up for me? Yes, sir. What is the lifespan of a bur oak, B-U-R? What is the lifespan of a bur oak tree? Because this one was 300 years old, and we lost it. Freilich says this one wasn't at the end of his life. Rather, drought conditions in 2021-2022, which hasn't stopped the charge of Butte from warning you about rain. Uh, according to TreeJourney.com. I, I would take TreeJourney. Uh, the expected lifespan for a bur oak tree is between 200 and 300 years. Well, it's, this one was at its... Uh, at its peak. It is also known as the mossy cup oak tree, and it grows in a rounded shape. <clears throat> um, there are three paragraphs on the after the jump that pretty much negate everything. And once you read these three paragraphs, you can pretty much stop reading and move move on with your life. I will. I have other information today that's important for Gus <laughs> no, and I, I, I don't. I don't mean you or us. I mean the general public. Right. I, I mean, when you read these three paragraphs, you go, oh, okay, end of story. Would you even read those goes, for us, please? Well, uh, the first one, the park board, the first paragraph, park board didn't... Uh, conduct any kind of autopsy on the Loring Park uh, trees. Did they really use the word autopsy? Yeah, yeah, to determine the cause of death, uh, but it wasn't fungal. Uh, he, he, uh, he said it's hard to put a blame on any factor. Here we go. Now listen to this. I'm going to read word for word. Park trees suffer from compaction of the soil beneath the tread of visitors who flock to events. Developmental disturbed roots, disturbs roots. The urban heat island created by impermeable surfaces that absorb sunlight is another source of stress. All these things, in addition to drought, could weaken old trees, which, like old people, decline in vitality with age. Quoting now, it's actually unusual to get a tree to live hundreds of years in an urban area. That's almost like an exception. That's when I said, okay, 
what else is on? Well, <laughs> that's in other you, words, that's when you turn the channel. <laughs> you know what I words, mean? What's the point? <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Look at here. You got a scientist. Uh, no offense to Mister Freilich. Is it Freilich? I'm sorry. Is if it Sievert? Freilich. Freilich. Um, Lee okay. Freilich. Top one percent. And he's saying this burr oak had life left. Well, it was at 300 years old. Oh, I'm quoting Forestry Director. We're we're reading two different stories, which is fine. We are, but I'm quoting uh, Forestry Director Ralph Sievert. And, uh, yeah, they also talk about your guy here quite a bit. Mr. Fraley? Yeah, yeah. The uh, Fraley, who's in the top 1% of all scientists... I think it 1%. says top 1% of all scientists. Why doesn't he cure cancer then? <laughs> Do something useful. Right. <laughs> He's one of the top 1% of scientists in the world. The, this WCCO piece does not make that clear whether he's a, an arborist uh, or if he's in the top 1% of tree scientists in the world. It just says he's in the top 1% of scientists in the world. So I think this is worth noting on... This guy's a big deal. ...treejourney.com, because it fits exactly what you're saying. There's 19 different species of oak trees listed on this. Okay. And the burr oak, with its life expectancy up to 300 years, right. there's only two that have longer life expectancies and they are that it would be the Jap- japanese evergreen oak which can live up to 2000 years wow uh and a white oak which can live up to 600 years we've got a, got a lot of white oak in this state can i tell you something give me the one that lasts 2000 years japanese evergreen oak okay and by it grows Here's another 36 hole. I, inches I know annually. this guy's in the top one percent of all scientists but but here's another hole in this guy's thinking or anyone's thinking. If that tree lives 2,000 years, how many times has it gone through drought and wet periods? Yeah, no mm. kidding. And apparently survives. What is that? It's all like an airplane. <laughs> Kenny, is that outside your rural are you, estate? Are you on a runway? I think that was a car. Well, we they, they buzz us, too. Hmm. Like Maverick with a well, fly. Tree, uh, Reavers, where does that tree... Is that... Does that tree grow in Minnesota? I've never heard of that Japanese, tree. I will look Probably to in Japan. Because we have reds, whites, and burr that right. I know of in this. No, really, really, seriously, people are not looking at this critically. Now, uh, uh, Freilich, uh, along with climatologist Pete Boulay, argue that the current drought in the Twin Cities are compacting on dry conditions from the previous year. We've never fully recovered from the 2021 drought, so this drought is building on what happened last year, Boulay said. Lakes are down. Lake Minnetonka is the lowest it's been in 10 years. White Bear Lake is down, lowest it's been in six years. So we're just kind of compounding issues as we go further and further along, all of which I don't doubt for a moment. What I do doubt is how you get away with telling me that a drought or wet weather has anything to do with the death of a 300-year-old burr oak. One, it was at the end of its lifespan. Two, you have oaks that live longer than that. And if they live longer than that, how many periods have they gone through in their life of drought and wet? The Japanese evergreen oak, also referred to as a Quercus acuta, is native to Taiwan, Mm -hmm. South Korea, and Japan. Okay. So you were right. Yep. 
what I've been told. What are the giant trees in California that you can drive through? Sequoias. Well, how long can they live? Right. Because they've been through drought and water. What what do these people take us for? I've... uh, I wanted to, because we lost a bunch of trees uh, this summer. They were um, pine trees with a shallow root system. I wanted to transplant in a a bunch of uh, oaks and red oaks in their place, and I learned that it's hard to do that with a bigger, like 10, 20-year-old oak tree because the taproot goes so, so, so deep. Mm -hmm. So when you have a burr oak, that's 200 years old, Mm -hmm. I imagine that taproot's got to go down 10 feet. Way down there. Way down. Way down there. Way down, yeah. Uh, The sequoia right here. White bark pine, western juniper, and Douglas fir can live more than 1,000 years, while giant sequoias can live more than 3,000 years. Now, think of the droughts they've experienced in their lifetimes and and the rainy periods. It's quite a bit. So I, lately, we've had a lot of tree inequity problems. We, uh, we have an equity issue with trees. And now trees seem to be the fad right now mm. for signaling what these hysterians want us to believe is climate change. Trees seem to be the fad, and next year it'll be lily pads or something. They, they just can, they can, they can fit their agenda to any living organism. You could fit yeah, this you're agenda. Never wrong. You're never wrong. Because you could never be wrong, even though even though just logically you make no sense. You make no sense whatsoever. What if I was in Fraley's <clears throat> What if I was in Fraley's class and I disputed him? I, he'd probably take it well, don't you think? Oh well, that's that's what you would think being in class is all about right but in the failed academy it might be different i don't know that this guy's a failed academician he might be a hell of a guy uh but in this case uh he too conveniently was willing to play along with this bs rather you know cco calls this guy Mm -hmm. he's he's in the top one percent of all scientists right in the world right and they say sir we have a tree down in loring park we thought it would be there forever we're heartbroken we're chagrined what 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 do you say? And he said those trees have. He could have said, "How old was it?" Or he could have said, "Yeah, I know that tree. It's three hundred years old. It was about to die." <laughs> it has nothing to do with the climate. Mm, nothing. Right. Nothing. Right. Right. What if you? Let me ask you a question then. What if you were in this class? In the sky where a tree once stood. <laughs> hey, uh, let me make a correction. I uh, wrongly assumed that the taproot was very deep. I'm reading now three to five uh, feet deep for the tap roots. The laterals can grow three to seven times the circumference of the oak tree's branches. Oh, boy. Yeah. Don't all pines have a shallow root system? That's why I lost so many. One, two, three, when they go four, over, five. They I've don't lost, kill your house. I lost right. around seven. Yeah. Because when they go over, they bring the root ball with them. Yep. And it kind of, it's like a teeter-totter, and it just kind of makes them collapse to earth gently. And uh, I learned a secret for you GLers that have tractors. Mm-hmm. You can just hook up a, tr- a chain to that whole tree, yeah. uh, root ball and all, and pull it away. That's right. It's the easiest tree cleaning I have ever done. When those seven trees went down, Kenny, was that also the result of climate change? That was the result of wind, Chris. Ah, gotcha. 
But it could have been too windy. <laughs> right. It could have been too windy. <coughs> How windy is too windy? Well, too windy uh, would be uh, uh, 10 miles an hour above the national average. And that, of course, if you're in the Dakotas or Montana, then it's got to be 20 times more. Because even when it's a 5-mile-an-hour wind in North Dakota, it feels like 20. That's when you've got more than one windy. It's too windy. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Clem. You know what Tim Bloom forgot to add to his end of the season sale at EcoFund Motorsports? What's that? All Crossfire 200 golf carts, 500 bucks off. Really? GLers only. I got a guy that's in the market for a golf cart. They got the four right seat now. style and they got a dump box on one of them. Two seats with a dump box. But before you dump it, you could put kids in there and drive them around. And then it would be kind of fun to have a pile of leaves or something oh, yeah. and dump the kids into the pile. I, I got to get one of these. I things. am so jealous of people that have a golf cart. I'm, I'm going to get a golf cart. These are fuel injected Crossfire 200 golf carts. 500 bucks off for GLers only at EcoFund Motorsports in Forest Lake, Highway 97, just west of the Interstate 35, and in Burnsville on the service road off 35. And right now, starting at 260 bucks, they'll pick up your. Uh, bike, your electric bike, your motorcycle, or your scooter, store it for the winter, give it a tune-up, battery tendering, winterization, and storage in a heated warehouse. Plus, do the scooter now. You get 100 bucks off the gas-powered scooters. It's a no-brainer, If Joe. you're a GLer. Mention GL and get free. And that's electric bikes. Mm-hmm. 100 bucks off. Plus, get free winter storage for any purchases that started last week, October 1st. Must mention GL, as this is a GL exclusive at EcoFun Motorsports in Forest Lake. Brand new store on Highway 97, immediately west of 35. And the store that opened this summer in Burnsville on 35 on the service road next to County Road 42 in that vicinity there. Mm-hmm. And a uh, great website, too, ecofunmotorsports.com. Don't you enjoy fall in Minnesota? The leaves change colors, the kids are back in school, and the apples are ready for picking. So what do apples and insurance have in common? That's a great question. When it comes to getting an insurance quote, many people want an apples-to-apples comparison. The Canopy Group can't do that, and here's why. At the Canopy Group, we believe our clients deserve only the best insurance coverage for the best price. That's why we only offer our clients combined single-limit coverage. It's the best. Most captive carriers only offer split limit coverage. You know, 100-300. This type of coverage leaves you open to gaps and on the hook at claiming time. That doesn't work for you as it should. At the Canopy Group, we're often able to increase coverage from split limit to combined single limit and save clients money. If you want an apples-to-apples comparison, be prepared. The Canopy Group's apples are much bigger and better than the competition. To make sure you're getting the best insurance, call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Suchere. Do not throw away that lawnmower. GL Denner, uh, GLer uh, Dennis, he's got a seafoam success story that proves my point. Uh, Dennis writes, I've had a lawnmower for several years. 
acquired it for free. It's run very well up until a month ago. It would start as normal but begin to spit and sputter and would eventually die. Reprime, pull her five, six times, start up, run for a few more minutes and die and eventually wouldn't run at all. I cleaned the air filter, thought for sure that would fix it. Nope. At this point, the CP began shopping for a mower, but I didn't give up. I grabbed a trusty can of sea foam in the shed, dumped it directly into the carb and gas tank, two pulls of the rope, she fired right up. After 30 seconds of holding the throttle wide open, the old mower was purring like a kitten. Now, he didn't write what I'm going to tell you. When you do that, it's going to smoke like crazy. It's, you're going to think you're at a Pink Floyd concert. It's really cool. <laughs> uh, but eventually it clears up. And Dennis writes, that $9 can of seafoam saved me from the hundreds of dollars I would have spent on a brand new mower. Seafoam really is a wonderful product in a world of bad gas. Thank you, Dennis. I was impressed by Kenny using a little can of compressed air. Uh, apparently he yes. uses it. You use it to clean your keyboard. Look at this. This is the one I've been using. It's running out. Yeah. Look at this. Yeah. The roommate came through. Oh, boy. Two fresh cans. Well, I bought a can of Fratelloni's, and you know what they're really good for? Getting uh, uh, debris out of, the, out of the cracks and nooks and crannies in a car. Yeah. Okay, but that sucker blew the straw right out of it under a seat rail, and I can't, I can't retrieve it. I got to get a straw off a can of uh, seafoam deep creep and stick that in there. So what I've been doing for years is that's how I clean my truck floors. I just turn on the air compressor and yeah. I stand on the other side and blow it all oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> One of Minnesota's public university systems has ordered its schools to remove any and all references to law enforcement. I saw this last week, and I knew you were going to bring it up. Yeah. From Alpha News. Administrators at Hennepin Technical College, a member of the Minnesota State Colleges and Universities, inform staff members who teach law enforcement courses of the change in a recent email. One of the changes is that law enforcement has to be taken out of everything, the email reads, meaning the website, business card, sign out front, directional signs of the building, yep. and so on. The email specifies that the Minnesota State System is requiring Hennepin Tech and other affected schools to pay for the change themselves. These changes stem from recommendations made in February 2021 by the Minnesota State's Task Force on Law Enforcement Education Reform which was convened in August 2020 because of George Floyd. Minnesota State says it educates 86% of Minnesota's law enforcement officers in various programs in its 54 campuses. These programs are being completely revamped, according to a report issued by the task force. The report identifies creating anti-racist law enforcement education programs as one of the top objectives. Rename Minnesota State law enforcement programs to peace officer training programs, one of the recommendations in the report says, because law and enforce are probably oppressive words. Yep. The report also calls for removing the paramilitary language from all law enforcement education program courses and training. Further changes include incorporating cultural competency into the curriculum and requiring anti-racist education courses to be a part of the core set of course requirements for law enforcement programming. The emphasis on anti-racism will apply to teacher training and continuing education courses. All continuing education 
Offerings will address cultural competency, social and political oppression, and racism, and will incorporate examination of implicit and explicit bias over the course of an officer's career. Require professional development for all Minnesota State faculty and staff in anti-racist education adds another recommendation. All right. In an email to Alpha News, a Hennepin Tech spokesperson said the changes are designed to focus on a holistic approach to community service and provide future peace officers the needed knowledge and skills to be successful in the field. Uh, 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 I don't want to read any more of this. Hold on, I'm on their website trying to find what they're referring to uh, here. Um, KL, um, law enforcement, peace officer, and public safety. Mm-hmm. So they're still making the law enforcement well, reference. Well, here, 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 I can help you there. According to a Minnesota State document, schools were required to begin implementing the recommended changes in April. This October, meaning right now, the schools are required to furnish final evidence to demonstrate program alignment with task force recommendations resulting in an evaluation for a program name change to Professional Peace Officer Program. We got it right here. Hold on. Law enforcement uh, is too problematic because laws themselves are not being enforced. Racist and you don't want anything to do with them. Wait, did, did you read this while I was looking for it? Listen to this, their mission statement regarding a law. Hennepin Technical College is committed to providing peace officer education programs designed to eliminate systematic and structural inequities developed using community and stakeholder input and focused on equity-minded, evidence-based, and data-informed practices. Huh? Our programs will deliver, monitor, and assess education and training of culturally competent peace officers who are prepared to deliver justice and serve all people in communities with dignity and respect. Oh, there's nothing there about arresting bad guys. You could say you could take a, the same 25 words and apply it to everything in the failed academy. Yep. Competency, cultural, equity, uh, stakeholder. And you could just, you could apply it to any topic, history or law enforcement or anything, because this academy is, is useless. Uh, it, it's failed completely. When I read this story, the first thought that came to my mind was, where are we going to be in a couple of years? We, we, we cannot escape this madness right now. Where the hell are we going? Well, go back to doctors. <sighs> Weren't we saying the other day that uh, it's inevitable that doctors will be trained in the failed academy, as they currently are. Mm-hmm. I just was informed. I didn't save it for some reason. Might have been Sanibel Jim who sent it to me. Uh, University of Minnesota medical students are having trouble with the white lab coat because oh, it suggests you're kidding whiteness. Me. You are kidding me. No. Um, so when's the day coming when a guy's going to look at you and he thinks your tonsils are your pancreas? I mean, what, what, I, I'm not being facetious. I know you're not. I know you're not. In some cases, we might be there already. The law has already gone down that road. In fact. Too many lawyers and they're idiots. And now you're going to have doctors who you, you're going to really be hard-pressed to wonder if they know what they're doing? I don't think we're there yet. 
I don't think mm, we're there yet. Mm, okay, if you think that. But Kamala Harris is the vice president and a lawyer. Yeah. Well, how did that happen? We are already there. And I, I, reminding myself. Okay, here we go. A doctor refuses care of a patient after a political disagreement. Um, I'm trying to find the. Well, that's against the law, right? Okay. I better I better read before I start. Okay, Such, I'm going to quiz you. You don't think we're there yet? I do. Tell me what's missing. Now back to Hennepin Tech. These are core values for our programs and students. Uh, one, cultural competency and responsiveness. Two, empathy and compassion. Three, accountability and integrity. Uh, four, humanity and humility. Uh, five, social and procedural justice. Uh, trauma-informed decision-making. Service to and input from our communities. Advocacy at local, regional, state, and national levels. And finally, quality through research and continuous improvement. What is missing there? Uh, the responsibility of individuals to follow the law? The, uh, no, arresting bad guys. Arresting bad what guys. What do you do when you're being shot at? Right. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. This to is shoot, a... to not to shoot, to pursue, to not pursue. Uh, everything that invo- involves protecting us, none of that is mentioned. No. And it's all skewered to uh, whiteness is evil. I just want a cop that's going to run in when everybody else is running out. I don't care if it's out. man or woman or blue or red or yellow. Just uh, shoot the guys who are shooting school kids. Shoot the bad yeah. guy shooting school the, the, kids. The, the, yeah, that's exactly what I said. We want in our police, our fire, our military, people that will run in when everybody else is running out. And that's, that's a hell of a thing to ask. That's a hell of a sacrifice. Yeah, it but is. That's why, that's why there are certain people who choose that profession. And we're, we're grateful for that. It was a Philadelphia Inquirer story mm-hmm. in which a woman was trying to get blood work done. I'm not going to name the, the, the people involved, but a woman right. was trying to get blood work done, and the doctor refused based upon a previous political discussion that they were having, hmm. which, and that was from 2020. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, It's a failed academy. Yep. They're at the root of this, and they don't seem to, to my eight. Uh, well, I'll move on. I mean, Alec I, Tech still teaches law enforcement. I know a lot of guys that went to Alec Tech. Up your way. Yep. Well, the, 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 uh, this tech school system, according to this document, uh, trains 85% of law enforcement officers. Yeah, I I'm don't sorry. doubt it. Peace officer, and I I, uh, I know a few that have gone through that program. Yeah, as do I. Mm-hmm. That's really a shame. Well, why don't we take a little break? Think so? Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah. Flashlight check. Tool belt check. Attitude check. He's going in. Joe Souchere. But that's from like 1992. That's really, really old. Is this Dylan? No, he's referring to your liner. It's Ben Johnson oh, they, from they, the early 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking about the song. I thought you were talking about his liner. Such, is there a Harley Davidson called the Fat Boy? Yes. Okay, here's the deal. If you ride a Fat Boy, 
you've got to have a fat boy in your basement. How cool would it be to have two things called fat boys? I'm referring to the line of Liberty Safes. They've got a whole line. They got of, a fat boy? They've got a bunch of fat boys. Uh, and Maple Grove Lock and Safe has them. And they have them on sale until the 17th of this month. It's not just any safe. If it's a fat boy, it's a giant safe. And that's why this is a giant safe sale. You get huge sa- uh, savings on some of the largest models like the Fat Boy series and the Colonial 50 through the 17th. Here we here we've got the Fat Boy Junior Extreme 75 minute fire rating secure RAM electronic lock Fat Boy Junior XL 75 minute fire rating Fat Boy Extreme ooh 110 minutes uh, that includes the secure RAM electronic locks uh, all the all the uh, bells and whistles and the Colonial 50 uh, and to answer your first question, and I know you're asking them, financing? Yeah, of course, it's available. And number two, you shouldn't have to ask because you're going to get this anyway, professional delivery and installation. Let's let's face it, we're adults, so that's what we do. We get people to do it for us. Liberty Safe's made right here in the United States. Best transferable lifetime warranty in the business. And, of course, the best built safes on the planet. Maple Grove Lock and Safe, open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, 6901 East Fish Lake Road. And on the web, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Keith Ellison brought Bernie Sanders to town. Oh, boy. And uh, they had Omar on stage, Ilhan, the whole deal. Oh, that sounds greasy. I got thinking about Keith. He could have been a guy. Instead of that phony press conference that was nothing but political grandstand about Fleet Farm, uh, he could have said, uh, we uh, have discovered, or we now have knowledge that uh, guns purchased at Fleet Farm legally, because Fleet Farm followed every rule applicable to them from the ATF, have fallen into the hands of criminals, and we're going after those criminals. No, he went after Fleet Farm. Yeah. The guy's a fraud. Mm-hmm. But he got uh, another fraud in town. Bernie Sanders never worked a day in his life. He was a mayor for a while. Hell, I'm a mayor. <laughs> <laughs> You've been far more productive you're, politically. You're more than a mayor. You're a viceroy. That's right. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders Friday stumped for Keith Ellison during a campaign rally at the U of M where he deemed the upcoming election the most important midterm election in the modern history of this country. Wow. Uh, this was uh, this is an NPR piece. Uh, then I'll get to the real news. In front of hundreds of college students and others, hundreds, maybe 200, the former uh, uh, Bernie said abortion access, election integrity, and workers' rights are. What does that have to do with the attorney general? Well, we have got to get. We've got to do this together right here in Minnesota. We've got to stand together. We've got to elect figures. Sanders said. Fighters. Sanders said. The reason I'm here is because I know that Keith Ellis is one of the strongest progressive fighters in the country. Hold okay. on. Uh, we don't know that. No, he is. He's a total Mysterian. Sanders' visit was intended to drum up support among Democrats with just over four weeks left until Election Day. And it came as recent polls show that Ellison was in a neck-and-neck race with GOP challenger Jim Schultz. Ellison told the audience at Northrop that he would keep fighting to protect the right to abortion in Minnesota, 
prevent guns from getting into the hands of people who shouldn't have them. Well, you failed miserably at that, Keith. Yep, you you sure haven't did. prevented anyone from getting a gun. And what exactly is involved in protecting abortion rights? Yeah, it's a what, wide what, open. Uh, it's what, what, wide what, open in Minnesota. Well, yeah. What is he doing, in fact, uh, other than issuing press releases? And he wants to work with local officials to prosecute violent crimes in the state. Well, you haven't, Keith. No, not at all. And when You've you do, the, the thugs are back on the street in two you're, days. You're going after chicken egg farmers and small bar owners and coffee ev- shop owners. Ev- everyday people is is what he's doing. We are here to do one single thing, and that's to protect our democracy, Ellison said. What is on the line is whether or not the United States, starting in Minnesota, will remain a democratic, multiracial society that respects everyone's rights. Is there some indication that we're not? Or will be run by the Ku Klux Klan? Yeah. What? What? Hello? And he had, uh, he had the usuals there. He had Representative Ilhan Omar and Premia J. Paul of Washington. She flew in. I suppose the taxpayers had to pay for that. I had no idea who Ellison uh-huh. was before she got off the plane. Mm-hmm. Or he, or whoever that is. In response, Jim Schultz said on Twitter, most people don't support extremists like Sanders and Ilhan Omar and called Ellison the most extreme attorney general in Minnesota history. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people said they were drawn to the event by Sanders. They held up Keith Ellison signs. Well, okay, great, Keith. Uh, uh, I'm glad you had uh, Bernie here. It shows how much he cares for college students, about people who need free health care, about people who are oppressed and how he really wants to help them. Uh, so I felt this is just fulfilling. Oh, Sophomore environmental science majors Gianna Doherty and Anna Windell said they hope to hear from the candidates about their positions on climate change and sustainability. The pair said it was one of their biggest concerns ahead of the election, and they got in. Then they got into their car and drove home. No, I'm just kidding. I know Bernie Sanders has a lot of the same views as mine on like the environment and climate policy. So I came here <laughs> to kind of listen to some of that and see if he kind of shares the same values as the candidate that he's endorsing today, Doherty said. That, is that an exact quote or is that you? Those are exact quotes. Wow. Betty, Beverly Miller, 64, of Minneapolis, said she was a fan of Sanders and wanted him wanted to hear him discuss many of his stump issues. I really just want to hear Bernie say the same thing he's been saying for years, no matter what he's asked. You know, the 1%, Miller said. I don't know what she means. Anything that he says, I just want to hear it, like for gratification, to just hear it again and just get it out there. Okay. Well, at sixty-four, honey, you're not. You're gone. You, uh, <laughs> you're you're not able to be coaxed back into common sense. Now, here's from the Minnesota Reformer, another news site that's akin to Alpha News. Uh, Absher Omar and feeding our future executive director Amy Bach talk. Oh, I'm reading a cut line. A former, it was a cut line of a KSTP picture. Yeah, that happens. A former key aide to Bernie Sanders' Iowa presidential campaign went on to work as a consultant for Feeding Our Future. Oh. A nonprofit that federal prosecutors say was at the center of the nation's biggest pandemic relief uh, program fraud. Absher Omar was also deputy director of a nonprofit named Tasho that ran six food distribution sites sponsored by Feeding Our Future, which reported serving 4,000 meals a day 
He and the nonprofit have not been charged with any crimes. Reached by phone, Omar said he didn't have time to talk and hung up. Sanders made Omar his political director after Omar ran for the Des Moines City Council in 2017. At the time, Sanders said, I'm proud to have Absher Omar on our team fighting for a political revolution. So far, the U.S. Department of Justice has indicted about 50 people with bilking, a federal child nutrition program out of nearly 250 million bucks, instead of providing 125 million meals... They instead bought luxury cars, houses, jewelry, and coastal resort property. But you had to get to a certain number before you could buy a resort. Right. <laughs> That's not entry level. You had you to feed, work I think you had to up. feed 800000 Yeah, you had to work your way up to yeah. get Plus, there. it takes a while. There's a whole lot of kickbacks That's involved right. there. So, yeah. Omar, whose involvement in Feeding Our Future has not been previously reported, joined other prominent political operatives with ties to the scandal. A former senior policy aide to Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry and former chair of Minneapolis Public Housing Authority, appointed by Fry and the city council, were indicted. During the pandemic, the U.S. Department of Agriculture waived some of its requirements in order to quickly get free food to hungry kids. 125 million of them. That's a lot of kids that were hungry. Boy, we had people checking on that, didn't we? Oh, we sure did. Not Sponsoring organizations such as Feeding Our Future were responsible for passing federal money to the food sites and monitoring them for compliance, which they allegedly completely failed to do. Uh, Absur Omar? Yeah, Absur Omar. Does he have any relation to sitting Congresswoman Ilhan I, Omar? I think Omar's like Smith in Somali. I mean, okay, there's a gotcha. lot of them. You know, okay. I think. I because that campaign was tied to receiving funds from some people indicted. Prosecutors say Feeding Our Future employees recruited people to open food sites and then falsely claimed to serve meals to thousands of kids a day for days or weeks after days or weeks of forming. In exchange, Feeding Our Future fraudulently received more than 18 million bucks in administrative fees, the DOJ alleges. They say Feeding Our Future opened more than 250 sites statewide and fraud, fraudulently dispersed more than $240 million. Very little of it apparently going to buy food. The federal investigation became public on and on. Omar participated, this is sure. also participated in a June 2021 demonstration outside the Minnesota Department of Education offices in Roseville where dozens of people protested the department's foot-dragging in approving applications for still more food distribution sites. Mm -hmm. These greedy bastards were saying, you're not giving us the money we plan to steal fast enough. Right? Mm -hmm. The boldness. Feed my kids, they chanted. Feed my kids. Yeah, we, we fed 125 million kids. Boy. We did a lot of good work during the pandemic. That's so big. I tried to play around with the $250 million and how many kids. Have, I can't do it. Well, let's uh, try. I, no, no I, I just can't. It's too complicated. Well, here, I got a calculator. But it doesn't, the math doesn't work to say you fed 125 million kids in Minnesota. Well, That's not plausible. How much does each meal cost? Well, I, is, I don't know that. This sounds easy. Well, it's two bucks because it was 250 mil. Two bucks a meal. She said, Amy said, Tasho, I'm sure Omar's deal, was feeding 1,600 children a week. But that could double. 
if if only MDE would approve their applications for the pandemic program. Uh, we are limited in our capacity, Omar told uh, KSTP. The need is far greater than we can do. This is all a lie. <laughs> Tasha was listed on an MDA spreadsheet of distribution sites in the program. The spreadsheet indicates Tasho, Tasho had six feeding sites and served 4,000 kids a day by late 2021 under the oversight of Feeding Our Future, as though that's some consolation. Federal prosecutors say Bach oversaw the massive scheme carried out by meal sites that were sponsored by Feeding Our Future, receiving 10 to 15 percent administrative fees in exchange. Uh, this is the first set of charges, by the way, according to Andrew Luger on September 20. Uh, Omar wrote in a blog that he fled Somalia in the 1990s during the Civil War that claimed the lives of his father, brother, brother-in-law, and other family members. He wrote that he attended Iowa State University and got involved in politics in 2016 when Donald Trump threatened a Muslim ban. That inspired him to make an unsuccessful run for the Des Moines City Council, where he was the city's first Somali Muslim refugee candidate. Because it's important to be the first something. You have to be the first. got to be the first something. So we've approved a few spending packages under the current administration in the last, what, two years or so? Mm-hmm. How many of those spending packages include funding things just like this all over the country? Well, I'm sure that they are. Because they've got so, a lot of money, the government. You thing. know, Bernie could have brought that up, but Bernie was uh, busy telling us what an important fighter he felt. So These people are crooked. When, when the government and the AG tried to pin this on that court and that judge, do you think they were just trying to escape blame, or do you think they were trying to do a cover-up? What do you think their motives Escape blame. Yeah. Escape blame. I don't think Walls lined his pockets. That's far-fetched. Uh, I, I guess cover-up in, in the sense, uh, cover-up of their ignorance. Here we go. But that's not, the same as not taking blame. September right. 30th, 2022, approved $12.3 billion in aid. March 2nd, 2002, 1.5. Well, who, who was approving? I, all I did was I said, spending packages approved by Congress. Oh. And for I food? Got, and for I got, food? I just, that's the only thing I put in. Yeah. And the number of news stories that are popping up are in the $5.8 trillion, $1.5 trillion. Yes, Kenny? Stop everything. I'm reading this article on Alpha News about this, and they're going through all the arguments. Government argument number four, a second paragraph. B as in B, S as in S, as they say in the garage. <laughs> Alpha News quoted you, Sue. Nice. <laughs> anyway, this go ahead. This is all BS. It really is. Yeah, it really is. They're right. Yeah. March 28th, 2022, <laughs> $5.8 trillion budget uh, passed. Congress clears $1.5 trillion spending on March 10th, 2022. Gentlemen... We're being hoodwinked left and right here. And, and, and now it makes the tree equity program look paltry. Oh. That's just a little over a billion that can be fraudulently oh. t- stolen. That's nothing. I love how ever since this story has come out, Reavers, you have been just like a rabid dog looking for evidence of other malfeasance elsewhere it, in uh, programs. It's nonstop. 
So every time you get that lovely little letter from the IRS, just keep that in mind. And they're hiring 87,000 new agents to look at us. See, we, we stumbled on this two weeks ago. When the government is in business with the government, anything goes. Mm-hmm. When a private citizen is in business with the government, the private citizen will be grilled under the Klieg lights. Yeah. Yeah. It's a neat little operation they got there. Schmelz Countryside Volkswagen wants you to know that the family of Volkswagen SUVs are in stock and arriving daily, including the all-new Volkswagen Taos with all-wheel drive and IQ drive advanced safety systems all the way up to the family-sized seven-passenger Atlas with 5,000-pound towing capability. And if you are a candidate test drive and order the all-electric Volkswagen ID4 SUV named the 2021 World Car of the Year. Schmelz Countryside of Maplewood uh, on that southeast corner of Highway 36 and 61. One of the Twin Cities' last truly family-owned dealers. This is their store. They don't have 50 stores. It's multi-generational. I've been dealing with Schmelz for a long time, and I will continue to because it's great people, and they, they show that because they know the only way they can compete is to hustle and to get your approval because they don't have the 50 stores, but they have great, great automobiles, and uh, that inventory is increasing daily. Schmelz Countryside Volkswagen at the corner of Highway 61 and Highway 36 in Maplewood. And uh, more details, of course, at SchmelzVW.com. Is that his cylinder index or his golf score? Either way, it's a big number. Here's Joe Suchere. Here's the tragically hip Chris, uh, if you want, uh, you need a little side action job, I can get you some money. You really don't have to do anything. Talk to me. Load up all those crushed, empty beer cans that are in every corner of your house, haul them all up to NRI Recycling in Hugo, and they will cut you a check. As a matter of fact, if you want to do that, you can swing up here and I'll give you all of my scrap, which includes a couple of galvanized uh, culverts. Really? We'll, we'll load them right on the roof of your SUV, strap them down, strap down your crap, and you'll haul it right to NRI Recycling. They pay us money for our scrap. Uh, and we're talking anything, steel, copper, brass, wire, stainless steel, aluminum, you name it, uh, aluminum cans, they'll, they'll take your empties. Uh, and if you're in a job that discards a lot of steel, metal, whatever, wire, Pick that crap up. Make a little money. And if you're a knucklehead like me that's got a scrap metal pile, what we need to do is call up uh, NRI, have them drop off a dumpster. We can fill it up. They can haul it away. They can also write us a check for that, too. Precious metals. Call NRI before you go to the pawn shop, okay? They'll probably give you a better price than any pawn shop. Uh, That phone number, you're going to call 651-289-2853. You'll get all the current prices. Uh, You can check them out. They're 61 in Hugo or the website. That's the first start for all of us. NRIMN.com. NRIMN.com. NRI Recycling. I got an NRI question. Go. When you bring your stuff there, do you get paid on the spot? Yeah. 
Okay. That's yeah. good to know. Um, you don't have to they, go through hoops and fill out forms. And so, like, if I showed up with my dump box full of scrap metal, I, historically what they've done, and NRI is probably the same, they weigh the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I dump it all, then I run back over the scale again. Mm-hmm. And they subtract it from your vehicle weight, yeah. Just like that. So you're paid by the weight of the material. Yes. All right. Very good. Kelly in uh, North Carolina writes, Hail the Flashlight King. Hail you. The president is pushing electric vehicles. How is his motorcade powered? That's a great question. It is a great question because the uh, the vehicles exist that he could have an EV motorcade, but he doesn't. Does he not do it because it's a safety concern? What's what's the safety part? Don't I thought know. they were entirely safe, and we should all own. Well, one. we've always heard about the except uh, if you're in a hurricane. The the cruiser weighs how many? That's what tons. I was going to bring up. Yeah, yeah, it's so already what, a monster. What, what cruiser? The, what, what's the name of it? Oh, the beast. Yeah, the beast. Thank you. Well, you can bulletproof an EV vehicle. I I, I think Kelly's got a good point. Lead by example, you uh, blowhard. If you're going to tell us we got to have electric cars, why isn't your motorcade electric? I'm looking it up. You're looking what up? Something. Now I'm going to be taken to task by an emailer on EVs. But that's what we do here. Uh, Greg writes, Joe and crew, recently there's been a fair amount of conversation about EVs on the show, both from news articles and listener emails. The tone of the conversation whenever this topic comes up is almost universally negative. With the discussion on Friday's show, the most recent instance, you read a piece from a particular site about fires caused by these vehicles during the recovery from Hurricane Ian. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed like either you or the story you were reading from made this seem like an all-too-common instance, when in reality it was a very small number of cases. You also pondered what a future evacuation might look like 30 years from now when a greater percentage of the cars on our roads would be electric. This is, in my opinion, a naive viewpoint. It supposes that in the intervening 30-year period that absolutely zero work would be done on improving the technology and stuff that goes into building the car from mining the minerals for the batteries to other components. I am dismayed by your overly negative opinion on electric vehicles, especially when one of your frequent sponsors deals heavily in electric bikes and another has a popular all-electric model. To me, this vitriol would be right at home at the turn of the century when railroad barons cried foul at the then new technology of the internal combustion engine. I can imagine that many of the same opinions might have been raised. My overall point is that we shouldn't scoff or turn our noses up at new innovations and new technologies, no matter the industry. Cars these days are built infinitely better than they were not even 20 years ago. There's no reason to assume we can't apply that logic to EVs. As an aside, I work at a dealership in the suburbs, and the overwhelming majority of calls we get by prospective buyers are for our hybrid and EV models. The demand is here and only increasing. Please rethink your stance. Good luck, Greg. Okay. Uh I, I don't know that I can rethink my stance, but I certainly would agree 
uh, that technology will improve. Uh, right. And, and the only way you're going to avoid the let's evacuate Miami scenario would be, I would imagine the day will come uh, if we survive and don't become a completely Marxist boot camp. I, I would believe the day will come when the act of driving on the highway will continue to power your car. There, there'll be some some sort of rail system or a feeder system in the in the freeway uh, from which you are drawing electricity. Sober up, George Jetson. Yeah. No, the, these cars have to charge themselves on the move. Right. Right. Some kind of giant alternator. Uh, but in your defense, I think what we've been saying is the country, we do not have the infrastructure in place for this big push on electric cars, given where the technology for electric cars are now. I also don't think, other than personal preference, and that there, some of them are really ugly, that we haven't really ripped hybrids. Uh, to me, if you're a daily I've never even brought hybrids up. Yeah, if you're, to me, my personal opinion, if you're a daily commuter and all you do is drive back and forth to work, hybrid, hell yes, mm -hmm. because you're going to lose a lot less, uh, use a lot less gas, and the gas you do use will serve to charge your batteries. Battery, yeah. I, I think it's brilliant. But we need the technology to catch up with this serious push and force that it, with which they're cramming this down our throats. Well, and I don't want to put words in Greg's mouth. His email is well taken, but what it sounds like to me is he's willing to put up with nascent technology in order to bring this about. Yeah. In other words, uh, I don't want to start driving the car now and hope that the infrastructure catches up with me. Right. My question— But that's true, too, of, of the dawn of the automobile— the roads right. had to catch up with the automobile. The roads sucked. Yeah, they were terrible. There weren't enough gas stations. Plus, right. they were some. They were burning all sorts of different gas, kerosene, and every other weird thing you yeah. could think of. The but right now, I'm. In, I'm sorry, Chris. No, we'll get ahead. to you. You're raising your hand in the back there, and I'm very aware of that. I've noticed you've been eating your lunch out of a paper sack, too. And <laughs> and uh, we frown on that in class. Uh, you made me lose my train of thought. Oh, for now, I'm wholeheartedly internal combustion engine. Uh, I have also said, uh, and I don't need to defend myself because this email is uh, certainly a, a valid viewpoint to bring up on the show, but I've also said I'm a big defender of public transportation where it makes sense. Right. If I lived in Manhattan, why would I even own a car? Right. Because you could get mugged up right on the train. I can get mugged just walking to the mm -hmm. to my car. I can get mugged walking to the train. Be that said, no, I'm internal combustion right now. Uh, yes, Chris. The reason I was asking about if it would be practical because the beast, which is the presidential motorcade, fifteen thousand to twenty thousand pounds curb weight. So I don't know when if electric vehicle would have the power. To, to support well, that. Why in God's, yeah. name, why in no, God's name does it have to weigh that much? What, what the hell it's is arm, it? It's armor. Is it titanium? So I found out a couple of interesting things, and maybe you, you two knew this already, but is I did heaven? not. In the late 20th century, it was customary for the United States Secret Service to participate in the destruction of the presidential state car after it had run its course. The federal agents use bullets and explosive rounds for two purposes— the first is to demonstrate the automobile's effectiveness against such weaponry, 
while the second is to shred the vehicle and destroy the secrets of its okay. manufacture, armoring, okay. and defensive Reavers, abilities. You just described what should have been an episode of Reno 911. Yes. Those guys shooting up a car yes. that's armored. <laughs> and, and Dangle would be inside. <laughs> Or Look Top how Gear. This is. Yeah, or top top gear, gear did that with a Prius. They shot it to death. Yeah. I do think that uh, Teslas are ugly, and I'll tell you why. The front end of a Tesla looks like a dolphin. <laughs> if you see a white Tesla, it looks like a dolphin <laughs> coming at you. A fish. Chris. A yes. fish. Uh huh. Uh huh. The uh, the car is also hermetically sealed against fluid attacks and features run flat tires, night vision devices, smoke screens, and oil slicks as defense measures against oil slicks. Possible. Red eye James Bond. Cool. Yeah. yeah, but all well, you couldn't do that with electric car. You'd have to have a separate oil compartment, right? Because they don't need oil. <laughs> well, they do anyway, Suge. What do you think they throw it out of the the crate case? Yes, come it, on, it burn oil. But how much does, speaking of that, how much does oil weigh? And how much do they carry for the oil slicks? Now you've sent me down the road here, Reavers. I know. Well, well, let's just put it this way. Uh, I think it's a valid point uh, for why the uh, administration does not use EV models. And I would love to hear why they don't. Sure. What, was, uh, what was your emailer's name, Such Greg? Greg. Greg, I've got something for you um, that only this bolsters your argument. I love telling this story. Uh, in the early 20s, when my great-great-uncle bought his first tractor, he cried for a week with buyer's remorse because he thought he had made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Within a couple of years, he had a couple of more tractors. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I see his point. But the technology f f for full-time ownership, for mass ownership, for EVs is not there yet. Mr. Hubbard, not the current Mr. Hubbard, but his dad. Yeah, he Grandpa. Went around, he, Grandpa went around town in the 40s to his buddy saying, you want in? You want in on TV, this new thing? You want in? And they he said, oh, I'm at. terrified of that. I'm not doing that. How many rich guys could there be? There could be. Jeez. We're sitting here telling the emailers yeah. that we're wrong and he's right. Yeah, you're right, Greg. <laughs> Damn it. We got to start buying well, EVs. It's over. No. We, we gotta... <laughs> I'm still not a candidate. I, although I okay. no, technically I am a candidate because I have no driving needs. And like every other EV owner, I'd have a non-EV in the garage right. for a real driving need. Right. Well, and I'm, road trip, yeah. I'd be, you guys have been talking golf court uh, carts. Uh, I'd be really interested in an electric side-by-side. -side. It's my dream to drive through the woods on a side-by-side -side and not make any noise at all other than the sound of the tires. So you can sneak up on the deer? Yeah. <laughs> What's a side-by-side? Uh, it's it's a side by side ATV. But two it people looks, can sit in. It's a bigger golf cart. Oh, you see them all over. I you like those go. ones from EcoFun that have the dump box. Well, that's what a lot of side by sides have. Yeah, I mean, I'd dump stuff. What would you dump? I'd fill it up and dump stuff. <laughs> What's he doing? I'd have the kids get stuff. a big pile of wood or something together, and I'd say, "Load it up here. Let's go dump it." Somewhere. Let's take it to the other side of the yard. Yeah, we'll dump it there. <laughs> Uh, all right, very good. Uh, uh, what else do I have? The state uh, of history? I do. I do. We also are going to have a guest coming on. Who that? Uh, pa Pam Tollefson was the one who 
arranged for us to talk to our friend John Strominger when he was running against John Thompson. We had a lot of fun with that, but at least Strominger uh, took the risk. He yep. put himself out there. And now we have a guy named Scott Hesselgrave as a conservative, conservative candidate who has decided to run after the previous candidate, Bev Taco, unexpectedly died. About 1,000 ballots were sent to people for early voting with Bev's name on it, and the elections officer did catch it. All of this was covered in the Pioneer Press. I mentioned, Scott, that he should see if you would have him on your show. I hope you have some time and desire to have him on your show. He could use the exposure. Thank you, Pam Tollefson. And uh, Pam's a good gal. She's active in uh, politics here on the east side. And yes, we will arrange to have Scott Hesselgrave on okay. running in that uh, John Thompson. I think it's 67A. Uh, yeah, it's 67A, I think. Uh, and we, but the I bet he's not getting any re help any help from the state Republican Party. <laughs> They've abandoned urban America, it seems. Yeah. Morrison. Morrison I. Morrison I. Mortensen. Mortensen no. Mortensen no. Sandell. Sandell I. Sandell I. Thompson. Thompson I. Thompson I. Never Mecklen. gets old. Never you can hear the old. smile in his voice, oh, can't you? God, it's wonderful. <laughs> Only because they come to us all the way from Mumpumalanga, South Africa, from the traveling Lymans at Worldwide Waftage. It was on this day. Today is October 2nd. In 1862. Second. October 10th, excuse me. The Augustana Synod of the Lutheran Church gave Eric Nor Norlius permission to open an academy. First established in Red Wing, then moved to East Union, the college that would become Gustavus Adolphus, permanently located in St. Peter in 1876. It was on this day in 1917. October 10. The St. Paul Public Library opened its new building at 4th and Washington Streets with Dr. W. Dawson Johnston serving as librarian. Uh, and it was on this day in 19... No. It was on this day in 1918... A forest fire began on the railroad line between Duluth and Hibbing and burned for the next three days, reaching Duluth on the 13th. 38 communities, including the cities of Cloquet, Carleton, and Moose Lake, and the towns of Adolph, Brookston, Munger, Grand Lake, Pine Lake, and Twig, were burned and 435 people died. Wow. Twig? Really? Twig was the town. After huh. the blaze, forest salvagers cut 1.6 million tons of lumber in response to a series of lawsuits. The Minnesota Supreme Court ruled that the railroads, and by extension the U.S. Railroad Administration, a federal agency that controlled the railroads during the war, were responsible for damages based on poor forestry practices. The Railroad Administration eventually compensates claims at a rate of 50%, the final payments being made in 1935. Wow. And on this day in 1949, a destructive windstorm swept through Minnesota, causing $10 million in losses to corn and over a million dollars in property damage in St. Paul alone. Amazingly, no deaths reported. What was the article then the next day? 
in the paper. It had to be too clim- windy. Climate change. Yeah. Okay. Twig is 15 miles northwest of Duluth. Population 60. Huh. Still Un- exists, huh? Unincorporated. And finally, on this day in 2016, Governor Mark Dayton issued a proclamation declaring this date, October 10th, to be the first statewide Indigenous Peoples Day celebrated in place of Columbus Day. Grand Rapids, Minneapolis, and Minnesota State University Mankato had adopted the holiday in 2014. Hmm. I think today uh, there are Indigenous People People's Day celebrations taking place. There are a mm-hmm. number of them, yes. All right. Thank you, GLers. Yes. GLers, if you could do us a favor, after you sign up for the Garage Logic Town Council, hit the subscribe button on the Garage Logic YouTube channel because there we are posting daily content for your amusement. You can also follow us along on all of our social media channels, which is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, what else am I forgetting, Joe? Download the Podman app where you have the chance to win prizes just by listening to Garage Logic. We'll catch you tomorrow.